A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Holds Barred. Today I'm joined on the line by Katie Montgomery. How are you doing, Katie? Hi, I'm good, thanks. So people won't necessarily know who you are, although you, you do have quite a presence on Twitter when talking about, uh, and I, I, through this podcast I'm going to undoubtedly say things that are not correct. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not from a place, it's a place of ignorance, but not from a place of uh, uh, someone who's not willing to learn, right? And that's that's part of what yeah. this is all about. But uh, would you say trans rights or...? Um, I guess I usually say feminism and LGBT rights because they're the things I care about the most. But yeah. I guess I focus on trans rights because it's one of the main arguments in today's, like, you know, sort of feeling in the in the public mind. Yeah. So um, when... So you was born a boy. Yeah. And you've now fully transitioned to a girl. Yeah. And you consider yourself um, female. So you, when you when you refer to yourself or someone refers to you, you should be her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So right. I am a. I, I describe myself as a trans woman, um, which is a trans person and woman. Mm. Um, and a, like like you you've kind of described it in the most basic way. A trans person is basically. Someone who was born one thing and changes to something else, as opposed to a cis person like you, who's someone who was born something and has just stayed it. Um, I guess that's a very crude explanation in a sense. You know, you can go into it a lot more and there's there's confusing grey areas, but that's that's basically the gist. So um and then yes, I am just a woman. As like you know, I'm not I'm not trying to say that trans women and cis women are the same, but in in society and in any kind of situation where it's relevant that's what most makes sense yeah i think obviously as we go on with this conversation understanding um these groups and, and how many there are and and why it's important to have them is mm. something that i'm interested in to discover but before we do that do you mind if we talk about your story your 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 experience yeah. your journey um from perhaps when you was a kid where you realized that um that you weren't like other boys is that a fair thing to ask yeah um yeah so i guess um, my kind of earliest memories of it are um, when I was sort of five or six in primary school and just thinking I would just rather be a girl. Um, but I didn't say anything or act on it. Um, I, I assumed, like, this kind of sounds stupid saying out loud now, but at the time I just assumed that all boys wish they were girls and they just didn't say anything and that... You know, when you're a kid and they're like, you know, boys will tell you, oh, boys are better than girls and oh, girls are smelly and stuff. And I just thought that was like 
a thing that you had to agree to in public. Um, so I just assumed that wanting to be a girl was bad, but all boys did it, and that was just normal. Um, and so I, you know, and, and there was lots of um, quite sort of strong gender stereotyping that kids go through. You know, boys do this, girls do this, you're not allowed to do this, you, are, you have to do this. And um, I just kind of did my best to follow the rules to not, you know, get targeted or be, make a fuss or anything. Yeah, because when you're a kid, you just want, do want to fit in, right? You just want to fit in, yeah. And I, I guess I didn't fit in, but it's not like... Um, I think there's this kind of stereotype of um, trans girls, um, you know, desperately wanting to wear dresses and play with ponies and pink and all this like generic, you know, stereotypical girl stuff. And that's not always the case. I mean, for me, my favourite toy when I was growing up was Lego. Um, and I liked just sort of, I mean, I liked animals and plants and stuff and um, building things. So I, I don't really think a stereotype either way. So it wasn't um, like you were sitting around desperate to play with Barbie, but you couldn't? Mm, I don't think so, really. No, I mean, I I didn't particularly have an interest in Barbie or anything like that. Um, mm. I mean, not that I ever explored that. And I wouldn't have let myself explore it because I knew it was bad. Um, but yeah, so, and then sort of as I grew up, it was just kind of a, a mild feeling in the back of my mind for quite a lot of it until I got to like puberty um, and then it got a lot worse and um, because your body starts changing and I guess you know little boys and girls aren't really that much different there's there's some sort of social lines and there there is some biological differences and stuff but it really becomes pronounced when you get to puberty and like what I usually say to cis people is imagine if your body just started changing against your will into the mm. other thing. Like imagine if tomorrow you woke up and your body started changing into a woman's body. It's kind of horrifying. And I take um, it, for, sorry to cut you, Katie, but uh, do, I take it that you're, from that point, you hadn't really discussed your feelings. It was just something you lived with, as you say, in the background. Um, you hadn't yeah. spoken to your parents. So uh, and, and I'd imagine, had you talked to your parents about puberty? Was you expecting it to come? What? Um, I guess we had some kind of sex education awareness at school, but not much. Um, certainly nothing about trans people. And um, I was vaguely aware of what might happen. But I, I remember vividly when I first found out that I would grow a beard, just crying and crying for ages, because that just seemed so horrific to me. Mm. Um yeah, so I, I and, but mainly my way of dealing with it was to try and stick my head in the sand and just pretend it wasn't happening and really not focus on it and not focus on my appearance or any of the changes at all. Um, yeah. But that must have been mentally quite difficult because you, you can stick your head in the sand, but it, you can't ignore it, obviously, forever. Yeah, so that, for that... sure. Um, I guess what kept me going was I just wanted to fit in and like follow the rules and, um, I also, at this point, uh, become, so becoming a teenager, become aware of the concept of trans people. And the only way they're ever introduced to me is trans people are bad. They're disgusting. They're, you know, they're failures. They're all perverts or whatever. And I just thought, well, I'm none of those things, so it can't be me. Mm. So I just have to get on with it. When you say, um, you, you, when, what, what, how did you have those conversations? Where did they come up? Was it just mean film and media or news or something like that? Or something yeah, like that? I mean, I guess there's a, 
a few films in the 90s where a trans person features and they're either a joke or they're like some disgusting thing mm. um and there were comments just in you know you might be watching an interview show with a celebrity and they'll just make a comment about you know oh, a man wearing a dress or something and everyone laughs and it just kind of subconsciously drills it into you and also you know if it ever came up at school then all the kids would be like Ugh, and that's pretty much the only reaction you'd get mm. um and that just you i didn't need to talk about it that was just kind of drilled into me i guess when um so when obviously you i i, I feel like i might be stereotyping here but um <laughs> <laughs> you can tell i'm sometimes walking on eggshells but the uh, that's all right no don't feel like you're walking on eggshells because i can always just correct you i okay. know you're from a place of ignorance rather than you know exactly. maliciousness exactly. exactly all right great yeah. uh okay then so um was you did you in terms of your sexuality Mm. How did you did you fancy boys or was it not that simple and 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 then and then I guess if if you did my next question would be did you just think that maybe you were gay? Right, yeah. So I think this is quite a common um, view of trans, particularly trans women, is mm. that they are all fancy men. And sort of in reality, it's like half of trans people are straight and half are gay or bisexual. It's it's around that. Um, so there are a lot of trans women who do fancy women. Um, I guess for me personally, it's a bit more difficult. I've never quite understood sexuality. Um, I I found it a bit difficult when everyone was getting boyfriends and girlfriends. Well, it, you know, every single person in my school was straight or at least appeared to be because it was um, being gay was very just as much trans like frowned upon and the only things I heard about gay people also was that they were wrong and bad and disgusting um and we didn't have any education on it at school or anything so it, it was the same really as trans people I just knew it was wrong and I just knew that as a boy I was supposed to have a girlfriend and that's just kind of what I tried to do but it wasn't really ever I didn't really get it I guess mm. um I mean I still find sexuality a bit confusing so i I don't really know what I've described myself as. I guess maybe bisexual, but I don't, I don't really know. Um, I think a lot of a lot of young people, especially during um, you know puberty when uh, and, and and developing your first sort of relationships, are are very confused. I think even yeah. as a even as a, a cis, I, um, I I I wasn't aware or or, or as comfortable getting into relationships when I was in my younger teens as my, fr mm. my friends appeared to be. So it was confusing for me, even though that I kind of understood what I was and understood how relationship works and didn't have to, to be confronted with additional feelings. I, I, I was uh, born thinking the way that society expected me to think and it was comfortable and yeah. natural to me, but it was still, it's still confusing. So I can imagine, how, I mean, I can try to imagine how, it must have been for you at that that space, that that time, and 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 lots of other uh, trans people as well. It must it must be a scary time. Does it, does that affect your your identity and 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 how you feel about yourself? How did that impact you as you started to move towards adulthood? I think for a lot of people, it really does. Um, especially when you become aware that you are, you know, an LGBT person, and that society around you potentially thinks bad of that. It can affect your like self esteem um, and things. I think that that's something that I've been quite lucky with. I guess maybe I'm a bit arrogant, but I, I, I always feel like I'm doing the right thing and 
well, you know, I don't always feel like that, but, um, you know, I don't, I, I think I have a lot of confidence in myself and what now when I encounter transphobic people or anything, I just think, well, you're an idiot. Like mm. that, you know, it's not me who's wrong. It's you. Yeah. Um, but certainly as a kid, it's much more difficult and I have certainly been insecure about it in the past. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it definitely can affect your self-esteem for sure. So, um, you, you, you uh well of what age did you you think actually you know it's clear now that everybody else is or most people i meet are different from me uh you know um, what age did that become clear to you that that something isn't you know so, or you had you had you had to acknowledge something and deal with it yeah so well i think so when i um was living at home with my parents i never acted or even let myself think about this at all um and when i moved out I suddenly had when I went to university I suddenly had like my own space yeah. um where there was no risk of someone looking through my stuff whatever and that's when I sort of got into cross dressing I guess you could call that yeah. um just I didn't I didn't really know why I was doing it and I always felt terrible doing it and felt really guilty and I just kind of would put some like women's clothes on and then just be like well what the hell am I doing and then I'd just stop and pretend I'd never done it so you, um, you was you was you was conflicted in yourself even when you were totally alone. Totally in denial, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I wouldn't even let myself think it. it I'd, I'd often do it when I was drunk, and then be like, "Oh, what's wrong with you? You know, you're an idiot." And um, I, you know, I, I always I used to joke that I could have probably even passed a lie detector test. I was in so much denial about it. Yeah. Um, and, but then, so at the time, I had a girlfriend, and I was just trying to live the 2.4 kids like generic um expected lifestyle and i was just hoping that i could sort of keep it away i think a very common um pattern amongst trans people is it kind of comes to the surface and you have to do something about it and then you say right no that's it i'm going clean it's almost like yeah giving up drugs or something it's like i'm never going to do this again i'm not even going to think about it again i'm cured and then that lasts some months and then it comes back and um then when i broke up with my girlfriend um you know that's that's always very difficult for everyone and it kind of bubbled up at the same time and I thought well I'm just gonna deal with it and confront it um and whatever that takes and then that only at like age 25 was the first time I let myself think about it um and that was also the first time I encountered just a trans person who was normal and that you know really opened up my sort of ability to deal with it in myself because you were speaking to someone who understood you no no so i i um i sort of just went on reddit and was looking around for other people who might have similar feelings and from there found some like youtube channels of trans people yeah there was a few um trans women who were just talking about their lives and their experiences and i was just like well this all of this is me and when I found out that some of them are just totally normal people, well, you know, most of them are just totally normal people. It's just like a normal, like I say normal, like what does normal mean? But like, mm. you know, it's just someone who you would just meet at the pub and they're just talking and then they're like, oh, and also I'm a trans woman. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's completely smashed my preconceptions of them all being bad people. And and I just thought, wow, that, you know, then this is me. Um, and yeah, no, and I didn't talk to a trans person until quite a long time after um sort of coming out to myself and starting to come out to other people how old are you now katie 
Um, 31. Oh, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, 30s are the best, honestly. My decade, yeah. I'm 38, and the, my uh, this decade has been the kindest to me. I'd kind of, oh, wicked, that's good to me. Yeah, man, uh, you, we, we, uh, you kind of just feel much more comfortable. I, it, this is my experience, that you've figured out the world a little bit more, uh, and you're much more comfortable about who you are. Um, mm. So uh, I, I hope that's extra true for me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you've you've definitely had that. You deserve this. Uh, your thirties for sure. Um, so when when you what you said you was in a, a straight relationship mm. previously before you transitioned, or, or even considered realistically that 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 could be your future, did did that come up in your relationship? Um, no, I definitely managed to keep that like hidden from even myself i guess mm. um and I, I i just assumed that they would have a problem with it and so therefore i wasn't going to do anything about it yeah um so how so after sort of opening up and, and, and starting to read information and find other people that had similar mm. feelings to you in the last six years that's that's six years which is a long time but i, I can yeah. remember six years ago because it's about when i met my current partner mm. and um it doesn't feel that long right so how ha, you, the transition from five years ago to finally admitting what you are and when it's mm. a little bit to the point where you are now where um to for, for, to everybody you, you look female mm. that, that must that's a, that's a large transition transition right and we're going to talk about that but but how how quickly did you start to really embrace this and, and, and how, how what was happening in your life? What was you doing? Yeah, so I guess um, like time slows down to an extent when you've got some huge stuff going on, um, and especially when you're sort of waiting for things to happen. Um, I, I think I took things quite slowly. I So when I came out to people, I, I didn't just sort of post one thing on Facebook and be done with it. I told people, my friends, my family and my colleagues and stuff, one on one in person mm. and I actually told 81 people in person oh uh, which took basically I think more than a whole year um, and that was wasn't me saying by the way I'm a trans woman and I'm going to transition and this is and this and this is going to happen when I came out to people at the start I was just saying I have some issues with like gender and I'm going to explore them if that's and I'd like to have you give me feedback and stuff and I didn't want to commit to anything. I wanted every single decision I made to be the right one for me. And I'm not just doing it because I'm following a stereotype or doing what I'm supposed to do. So I want to find out what is the right thing for me. Um, and so that started off with just like wearing different clothes in public and then trying out a different name and then um, considering some medical options like laser hair removal and sort of slowly adding on the pieces one by one. Um, so... I don't think I feel like I rushed into it. And it has made meant it's felt like quite a long time. Mm. It's quite, taken quite a long time to get here. Well, who's the first person you told? Uh, uh, one of my best friends called Rose. Um, it's just a close friend who I I knew would be accepting, I guess, of me yeah. floating the idea um, that I might want to um, talk to her about it. And who yeah. was the last person? Uh, last people I told was work. Um, I had a meeting on a Thursday and said, but so at that point I decided that I was going to go full time and, you know, change my details and, you know, 
make some kind of meaningful transition. And so I just said to them on a Thursday in a meeting in front of everyone, tomorrow I'm going to come as a woman and I'm going to be called Katie. So deal with it, I guess. And that was that was fine. Everyone at work's been amazing. So Yeah. I mean, you know this better than than me, but I, I my feeling, having done a number of these podcasts now, and we do, mm. some of it's been flippant issues and others have been quite heavy, but I think the take home is that fundamentally and by and large, people are good and they want to yes, do good for sure. things. Is, sure. is that your take home? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, um, when I came out to people, I, ca- I came out to a lot of people. I'm very lucky to have a lot of friends and my parents had some difficulty with it, but everyone else in my life um, was either supportive, very supportive, or like, you know, we became better friends over it. Yeah. Um, and that was my biggest fear of, of the whole thing, of the whole thing transitioned and everything was that I would lose my friends. And I just, I, you know, even now I feel like not just lucky, like blessed, I guess, that I have such good friends and that they're so supportive. And mm. it's, that's like totally made the difference for me because there are trans people who lose the you know I know I know trans people very well who have lost their entire families all of their friends their job often their religion and everything and it can really upend some people's lives mm. so I'm very lucky in that respect you mentioned your parents well, you, I guess you could understand from their perspective what why it's not just easy for them to accept but but yeah. how, how how was that experience I mean yeah it was it was very difficult it was another one of the most difficult parts um I guess neither of them at the time saw it coming um I don't know what they feel now looking back um now we're at a place where I think we're stronger than ever as a family which is great but it did take quite a few years to get here um initially my mum had a bit of a breakdown over it and my dad just refused to address it um and they said some hurtful things, I guess, but luckily having the support of my friends and colleagues and stuff meant that I felt capable of dealing with it. Um, my brothers have always been on my side. I've got two younger brothers and they were instantly accepting and really great. And I think that helped. Um, we carried on meeting up and doing Christmas and all this kind of stuff, but it was very difficult. And there was we had about four Christmases in a row where I just didn't quite feel like at home and comfortable um of course yeah so yeah it's very difficult i mean i totally understand because they have an expectation of how their child's going to be and as far as they knew everything was like on course and then all of a sudden there's a total change and also they just didn't know anything about trans people i had just gone through months of self-realization finding out about trans people who were just normal and just succeeding at life and you know, all they know was the same things that I knew before I came out and before I realised this was like, oh, all trans people are failures. And there's something like my child might be, you know, a, a disaster and, you know, throw their life away over this. And I think that was very scary for them. Um, so I'm glad that they now know otherwise. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. And and I guess that comes from a, a kind of societal uh understanding of what trans people are previously which was ignorant and and caused problems and i guess that you know sometimes you hear and i'm sure this stuff will get you very angry but think people calling for like straight pride and 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 um you know and not understanding why there has to be such thing as pride when 
Yeah, when I don't know. Like, with Street Pride, it's less angry and more find it funny because yeah, it's course, just such it's, embarrassing. It's stupid. But, yeah, I think um, even us, we we uh, we think it's stupid as well. But yeah, but, it's but, frustrating. Yeah, but sure. but the, it means it's important to, to to have these issues in in the public eye because there are uh, kids when you was a kid going through these things, like not being able to identify because no one's talking openly and positively about these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and parents would be better equipped to deal with the fact that they're that they have to. Some some parents would be confronted with having a cha- trans child, mm. uh, and and they'll they'll have a better understanding of what it is. And 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 I guess the work you're doing and 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 you know your your Twitter timeline is a testament to that. Uh, to you know to encouraging more positive dialogue around this subject. Mm. Um, right. So you you've told everyone eighty one people. It took a year. Yeah. Uh, in, during that though that that period, um, you're you're beginning to change your appearance to one that uh you're you're more happy with and it makes you feel more comfortable and you said like laser removal for hair so that's sort of facial hair and uh, chest hair and stuff like that that was the first step because i felt that even if i decided not to transition and even if i just told everyone that i just wanted to go back to normal i just never want a beard just the idea of it makes me like cringe it's just horrible um there's a big fashion for beards as well in the last few years there is yeah (laughs) i'm I'm glad I ducked out the way of having some kind of pressure to have one. Yeah. yeah, So that was my first step. And I just rationalized myself to that, that it doesn't matter if I'm man or woman, this is right for me. Yeah. And then, um, the next step was hormones, um, which was a bit, yeah. How does that work? What? So basically, um, there's two main sort of medicines that most trans people take with one, which would be to stop the hormones that they produce naturally and want to replace them with like hormones that make you change in the opposite direction. So obviously hormones change you most at puberty. Um, that's when your hormone production like starts up, but they do affect you throughout your whole life. They affect how you grow and you know how um, older men look different to middle-aged men, look different to younger men and the same with women. There are changes that happen throughout your life. And so when you switch hormones, that causes all kinds of bodily changes. You kind of have a second puberty. And I mean, in every sense, really, you have all the emotions and stuff as well, which is kind of difficult as a 20 year old. Um, yeah, so that was that was the next step. So you're you're uh, had had so so it affected you emotionally. Your body mm. changed. So what would you what what in terms you you look more? It helps you look more feminine. Yeah. Do, do you want a TMI answer or do you just want uh, an, an answer? <laughs> I, I I just want to understand really. What, what... Yeah. So so it um so for for a trans woman who's taking estrogen basically um it causes all the changes that can happen in you that a teenage girl would go through. So your um you grow breasts is one obvious example. Um, your the amount of hair you have compared to being a man decreases, so you have like less overall body hair. Your skin gets softer. Um. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And, yeah, and your fat redistributes, so you end up with more on your hips and your boobs, and your face sort of rounds out mm-hmm. um and yeah and your body odor changes yeah there's, there's quite a lot of changes you know hormones affect so much of your person how long does that um, take so it takes i guess upwards of five years for all of the changes um so i'm actually still hopefully got some tail end of the changes to come but you know most of the big changes happen early on uh, in the first two or three years, I guess. And was that, that must felt quite liberating when you felt you saw your body changing. Did you feel good? Yes, it's it's terrifying yeah. and exciting at the same time. Um, it's terrifying because it's, I guess, permanent. Um, you know, you can, you can reverse it with surgery and taking the hormone, the original hormones that you're on and stuff, but it is a very big decision and it does have some kind of permanent change so that's very scary because you've got to know that it's definitely what you want but at the same time like now where i know it's the right decision and i can look at the changes and i'm not worrying about whether they're going to work or not it's yeah very liberating definitely um do you, so you you mentioned that about changing and maybe feeling like some people might feel that they've made the wrong decision mm. um there is a big sort of I guess a, a controversial talking point where mm. accepting that a child who feels like she's or he's in the wrong body, yeah. um, being allowed to transition too early because they perhaps haven't processed this um, significantly enough in order to change their body permanently or have to go through a drastic, drastic change. Yeah. Is that, where are you at with that? Yeah. So that it is a difficult topic and it's hard to explain to people. Um, I mean, I guess the best position that anyone should really have is to defer to the experts and the doctors because they know a lot more about it than anyone else. And currently in the UK, um, they uh, trans kids can be given some kind of medical treatment at 16. And before that, they can be given therapy to help them and they can you know, change their name and things. Um, the evidence shows that some younger kids may have some feelings that they need to deal with but they might change their mind. But usually once the time you hit to about 13 or 14 and puberty is sort of in full swing, almost no one changes like changes their mind. Changes their mind isn't really the right phrasing. People don't grow out of it once they get to teenagers. Um, so the NHS um, deals with it in the UK. 
um, kind of. It's not very well funded, but the official detransition rate, um, a detransitioner is someone who medically transitions and then goes back, um, is 0.5%, which is, you know, it's very low. Um, most of the people who detransition actually do so because of transphobia and societal pressure, struggling to get a job, uh, struggling with their family. But there are some people who do genuinely decide it's not for them. But yeah, but you're, you're that too... is difficult, yeah. but it's a medical treatment and there are no medical treatments 100% effective. I mean, for example, knee replacement surgery can have a regret rate of up to 10%, which is a lot higher than 05 mm. um, And you wouldn't ever consider banning people from getting knee surgery because some of them might regret it. Um, it is difficult, but I think that one thing to remember is a kid taking the wrong medical treatment and regretting it is just as bad as denying a kid who needs the treatment from having it. Um, I think it's very easy to just sympathize with ones who have made a mistake because the idea of making a mistake is horrible and you can empathize with it. What if I did this thing and it was wrong for me? But it's exactly as bad as denying someone who needs it. Yeah, the, the, it does make sense, complete sense. Mm. The, the emotional impact of denying uh, someone the op the option and the uh, and the mm. choice for for themselves to, to to you know to to not be who they want to be could be devastating. You know, we, we yeah, and especially with with puberty happening, like I I am very fortunate in how things have turned out for me. But a lot of people, basically, the older you transition, the harder it is for you to pass as you know the you mean, the yeah. gender or sex that you're sort of moving towards. And certainly, if you if you know early and you're sure early and you do it while you're still going through your first puberty, then you can completely cut it off and just fit in and you have so much less issues. So it, re it really does make a big difference. And, and it's important to, um, it's important to look feminine, right? It's important to look how you feel inside. I don't mean attractive. I don't mean like, pretty yeah. i just mean it's important to, to feel and look feminine when you look in the mirror because that's fundamentally who you are yeah i think this is very hard to explain to people who who perhaps haven't dealt with it but you have some kind of inner view of what you are and who you are and you know if it it doesn't match that can just cause you to feel you know it's some kind of distress i guess i mean that's the the term for it is gender dysphoria that's like the medical condition. Mm. Um, and it's not like there is definitely some pressure on all trans people to look like, you know, look like a woman, look like a man. And that doesn't really mean anything. And it often means that particularly trans women are under, under pressure to look more sort of stereotypically feminine. But often that's not necessarily what they want to do. I mean, they're the same as any other woman. Some women don't like stereotypically feminine appearance or you know things to do they just they just don't and that's the same with trans women and any any type of woman any type of cis woman that you get you get the same trans women you know you get butch lesbian trans women and you get you know um trans women who whatever stereotypes you can think of like football and you know ride motorbikes and whatever whatever it is mm -hmm. so um but it is it's more about your body and um than that than than like stereotypes and presentation i guess so that is a factor in it too yeah um 
So, so when you went to, uh, what, so I guess the final part was was the operation, which would remove your penis and give you a vagina. Is that right? Um, I guess so. Um, so that is, there's there's a collection of surgeries that trans people can have. Um, so I've actually had two different surgeries. One I had on my face, which was called facial feminization surgery, and then the other one was genital reassignment surgery. Um, Both of those and- things sound very scary. They are very scary. I was so I had the face one first, and I was utterly terrified. I, you know, thought that I might just die in surgery and yeah. stuff. And what did they do? Can I ask? Yeah, so they did quite a lot, and it's quite gruesome. Yeah, please. Um, so they um, basically cut from one ear to the other ear across the top of my head, and then like peeled my face back and ground some of my bones down. Oh my god! Um, and, <laughs> and and took photos and showed me the photos. No. Um, it's quite funny. I wasn't expecting the photos. They just gave them to me. I was like, oh, that's my skull. Um, so, so yeah, it was interesting. So basically, uh, it's, it's a science. It's not just like a cosmetic procedure. Yeah. So when you go through testosterone puberty, like uh, most boys do, certain structures in your bones grow. Um, one very common one that's easy to point out is... Um, basically where your eyebrows are if you look side on there's kind of like a bump um and it's called a brow ridge and it's a lot stronger in men than in women and women often don't have one at all and men often have a very strong one and so one of the things they do is just grind that off oh my god um the neanderthals where the the yeah the brow is obviously very very pronounced okay i got you Mm. so they've peeled back your face they're 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 shaving down that part on your eyebrow Yep. And then, and so they do, so I had brow ridge, orbital ridge, which is around your eyes. Um, you get another bump there. And then also on my jaw, you get a squarer jaw um, with testosterone puberty. And then they basically put your face back on. And it, so I still, like, it's, it's hard to say this without looking at pictures, but I recommend if you, if, if anyone listening is interested to Google facial feminization surgery before and after, and pretty much everyone looks like the same person. Like, there's no way they look like a different person. You, you'd instantly recognize them. But there's something in your subconscious that just reads them as a woman rather than as a man. Yeah. And it's because your, your brain has all these subconscious processes which instantly decide whether someone is a man or a woman. And it looks for these things, these, like, you know, bumps that yeah. skulls have that you wouldn't even necessarily notice. Um, like, there's a very good example is you can look at foreheads of men and women nothing else not the hair not their eyebrows or anything just their foreheads and often you can tell whether it's a man or a woman's forehead but you could never explain why yeah but it's just because of how evolution's worked yeah totally um, yeah totally um right, so what was the cr- rec- right, i mean you woke up you've obviously bandaged all all around your head mm. right and and yeah it's like a cartoon almost yeah like, i can imagine yeah. <laughs> uh but and you're in pain for weeks i'd imagine um it wasn't so bad i um so face surgery i think it was a bit like having a really bad cold or the flu i was kind of in bed for two weeks ish or a week and a bit um eating was a little bit difficult because i'd had your work um and i just didn't have much energy but i did go to a gig uh like less than 21 days after surgery um but without any 
bandaging or just yeah yeah back to so normal? like bandages only stay on for a few days um and then you've got stitches and things and they sort of slowly drop out and i just look swollen i look like i'd been attacked by like 100 bees and that slowly went down and um yeah after a few weeks i was i was back to work and everything i only had two weeks of work crazy so yeah I mean, it's just, quite, it's just quite, inc- it, it sounds full on but like i guess it heals quicker than you'd imagine yeah. isn't like incredible like what it is it is it's, it's <laughs> i'm very grateful so. <laughs> i mean it's amazing that you were born in this time mm, uh whereas you know previously what, what other 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 people wouldn't have just been able to but it just wouldn't have been an option uh, and, mm. and and who knows what what's going to happen in 50 years from now um, yeah exactly um, um so okay we've talked about you having your face peeled back yeah right? <laughs> but it's just so alien like to to, to even think about that mm, that really it, it is, did they tell you that, that that's what they were going to do before yeah or did yeah you say, don't so tell me anything just do it <laughs> I, I guess i could have probably said that but i'm the i'm a science person and i like to know all the details um so i had a consultation with the surgeons and so i i went to a place in spain um called facial team who are very good and they had a surgeon separate surgeon for every single part so one guy who just um does jaw work and one guy who just does foreheads and stuff um and a very specialist and yeah and they told me in all the details and i looked at other people's photos and everything did you is it, did you have to pay for this yes so the nhs covers some trans people some things like y- you can often get hormones on the nhs you can often get some hair removal but rarely enough to do anything and you can often get genital surgery but the nhs doesn't cover um face surgery unfortunately i think there are some people who would probably be angry if they heard that trans women were getting like you know oh cosmetic surgery on the nhs and no one else is what if i wanted a nose well, job yeah, sun readers is, and daily mail readers yeah exactly it is it is a different thing i mean it, it is a science. They weren't trying to make me look more beautiful. I mean, in one sense, that's a result because I guess women's faces are like more beautiful than men's faces. But it was just a we're going to grind these bits of bone down because testosterone caused them to grind your face and we're going to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it, a, like um, uh, a, a, you can get moles removed, right? You can get yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Affect- I mean surgery it's not a there's not a strong line between cosmetic and non-cosmetic there's a a gray scale and you know this is one that you can sort of be prescribed in a sense i mean i'm not i'm not entirely sure over the world but yeah. i'm sure some places you can get it on social health care and um would you mind it, asking uh, so would you mind if i asked you how much it cost you uh yes yeah, so it was thirty five thousand euros which is a lot of money you can get it a lot cheaper um I, I tried to find like the best in the world yeah um and that included flights and accommodation would want the best in the world for something like that i mean it wouldn't um yeah if you're if you're lucky you know i'm very fortunate i've got a very good job and i'm you know i've been saving it for for ages so um i was very lucky to be able to afford it and i think many many people can't i think um, though I, I i think i i didn't bulk when you said that you you, you move quickly to say it was a lot of money but but, it's a lot of money for me yeah (laughs) and it is i couldn't afford to do it if i needed it done right but but i everybody saves for a house right people move move towards building a deposit enough so that they can get a loan and and buy a house and that's great but imagine if it's not crazy to to want to 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 you, you, you 
you'd want the house to be as beautiful as possible and and and, and as homely as possible. But if you didn't mm. feel that way in your own body, then the house is just just a house. Do you know what I mean? You have to, you. Yeah, it's an investment sure. in yourself and your happiness. And I I, I think that's an excellent way to spend money. Mm, and and it was my house deposit basically. That's why I was originally saving up for, and I just spent it on this instead. And I you know I don't regret it. I think it was a, a much better spend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a it's a it makes a lot more changes to you. It's not just the same as like getting a nose job. Um, because although, although that can change people's lives to the positive too, and it can obviously give them a lot of confidence, and that can be a great thing. Um, oh, this also reduces gender dysphoria, like you know the medical condition of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, like, not not unlike uh, body dysmorphia, right? In terms of, you, you, it's yeah. I guess they're both conditions, though. Body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, uh, treatment is very different. The the treatment for gender dysphoria, as demonstrated by science, is to transition. Whereas body dysmorphia, often the best treatment is to stop them doing what they're trying to do. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if someone who has this problem where they think their muscles are too small and they want to take steroids and they want to bulk up loads. The best treatment isn't to help them because body dysmorphia means that you always feel like that. And often the more you get, the worse it feels. And the best treatment is therapy and therapy to talk people out of being trans never works. It's called conversion therapy. So they are they are definitely like diametrically opposed conditions. Yeah. But there's some, you know, you, I, I can understand why they sound similar. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's why I went straight to that because they are similar sounding. Yeah, but yeah. now you explained it, it's clear. Um, mm. Okay, so then that that's one one surgery, and yeah. in Spain, I get it. Like, you know, it's not far; it's in Europe. Yeah, it was an hour flight. Yeah, uh, but but to 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 have your what do you say? Is it gender reassigned? No, what, no, I say I say it's got a few different names. I say genital reassignment or right. genital reconstruction surgery because I like to just say what it is rather than dancing around it. Yeah, for um, sure, that's easier to talk about. Yeah, way, it basically takes turns penis and testicles into a vagina and vulva. I mean, that's kind of what it works. Um, and but you to get that done, you mm. went to Thailand. Now that yes. sounds, and this is probably mildly xenophobic of me, <laughs> but that's. <laughs> That sound is such a far, a long, a long way away, and um, it's you're, that's like an, another major operation. Like for me, I feel like I'd be much more comfortable doing it closer to home. What, what was your thinking about going to to Thailand to do it? Yeah, so I had a few things to weigh up. Um, the NHS does offer GRS, which is like the shorthand for it, mm-hmm. um, and if I had it. On the NHS, it'd be in Brighton, which is only a couple of hours away. Uh, hilariously, it's further away than Spain <laughs> in terms of hours, because it's four hours from Bristol to Brighton. Yeah. But um, and also then it would be free apart from travel and accommodation, whereas Thailand is none of those things. Um, there's lots of things to weigh up. There's a lot of different techniques that they use um, in order to construct things. Yeah. Um, all surgeons have their own variation on it, but there's a few like major techniques. Um, I don't know if you want any details on those, but um, um, they have different results. They there are some things where, um, you know, so so basically what Thailand had for me, Doctor Supon's clinic was they really focus on appearance, depth, and sensation, which are three major things of genitals, I guess. Yeah, and um, 
it's the cost of that means it costs more money and it means it's the recovery is a lot more intense it's more painful lasts longer and it's further away and it's just that kind of toss up between is it worth the extra cost in order to potentially get slightly better result i guess yeah yeah, yeah. um and then so there was that and then the other major factor for me was time i talked to the nhs and I'd already, I mean, I've been waiting on the NHS queue for like five years now and um, I talked to them, finally had a consultation and they said, oh, in one year we'll be able to add you to the list and it's probably one or two years from then. And I just thought, oh, I can go to Thailand this winter. Hmm. So that, that kind of sealed the deal. When did you do that? Um, November the 13th last year. Yeah. So I we started speaking, I think, before then. Um, okay, yeah. we were I, I can't remember how, I think you mentioned going and I remember you were posting on, on your Twitter about you know your pictures of you know your recovery and stuff like that mm. I think I, I might remember this right because um, we, we were gonna we were gonna chat and then you went away yeah so that that wasn't that long ago so so what what was the recovery like then and, and was you you had friends with you right yeah so um, I took two close um, friends out there for so I was in Thailand for four weeks I took two friends out with me for two weeks another friend came out for a week and then my brother came out for the final week so I was very lucky to have support Um, and um, yeah so the recovery is quite full-on if you if you're in England then you stay in the hospital for one week and then you go home and if you need to for any reason um, go back to the hospital you can just drive there yeah whereas obviously in Thailand you can't just quickly fly back because it's like 13 hours um so yeah you stay there for a month um and even then like after one month walking was very difficult uh, i couldn't sit on a chair oh wow um, so it's been quite intense it's been more intense than i imagined i i talked to other people and i think because of all these different techniques and i had this idea that it would be about as bad as the face surgery yeah and it's been like 50 times worse oh, wow. so um i wasn't quite expecting that but that's i guess it's my you fully recovered now um so now i can technically start cycling again which is the thing i've been looking forward to though i haven't yet um yeah, yeah i can i'm basically back to normal yeah yeah you're pain-free more or less yeah good um what so what that that psychologically must have been um I I I I guess how, how did that feel psychologically? Because you yeah, it was an absolute mission. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess with um with the face surgery, I was terrified of the idea of surgery, and I was also terrified that I might wake up and look like an orc. Yeah. But beyond that, beyond the fear of dying and the fear of it going horribly wrong, it was just that was it. I guess. Whereas with you know, I, I just look a bit different and my brain really quickly adjusted. I didn't feel like I looked weird and it was just normal. And now my face just seems normal like it ever has. But yeah. with this, with genital stuff, it changes how everything works. It changes, you know, it's a total functional rearrangement. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more um, intimate, I guess. Um, yeah. So there was all of that. And the actual recovery is much more difficult. Um and you're pre- prevented from doing things. You know, pretty much face surgery, I was able to just do stuff. I could still walk around and suddenly I was tied to my bed for weeks and, and that was very, very emotionally difficult too. Um, I had quite a few 
despair moments when I was in the hospital on my own. Um, I'm very lucky to have had friends there to come and help. But yeah, got through it. <laughs> Good. I mean, you, I guess yeah. I mean, your your friends are there, but you, they're not there with you constantly. And you, they, there mm. have been process times where you you, you had to process. Um, so, and and it's not like you, you like Thailand's an amazing place. I've never been. I would love to go, but I strongly recommend it. I've been twice, one for this and once traveling, and it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Nicest people on earth. Uh, very cheap. Like it's just incredible place. Yeah, yeah. I def- I'd definitely love to go. Um, mm. Okay, look, I Casey, we we were gonna we were gonna talk about the um, uh, you know the 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 activism and and the mm. and I and I, I really I, I still want to, but this has gone on for longer than than I thought. Could, oh, okay. w- would you be happy to um, for us to have another chat later in the week? Yeah, if you have got time to do it, I can I can yeah, yeah. accommodate whenever you whenever you're free. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a a, a good good place to end i think i guess the final question would be um are you happy yes i'm i'm very happy in my life at the moment i've got you know friends and a good job and yeah i'm just very happy in myself you feel comfortable yeah very comfortable i'm just single that's my main problem (laughs) (laughs) uh well you know um i guess now that you've completely feel comfortable in in yourself that when you do find the person you want to be with that that Mm. you're able to have that and invest in them rather than having to struggle with with who you are definitely and i'm looking forward to that yeah absolutely uh also you play a mean guitar like incredibly well thank you (laughs) i just saw that on your youtube channel like Mm. really good like how long have you been playing guitar um for i guess 15 years now are you Um, a band I am in a band, and we do have an album coming out this year. The oh, band sweet. is called Dehumanaut. Uh, I can't remember what the album's called. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> we, we, it's it's kind of a casual project, but it's a mix of thrash metal and death metal, and also some swing time. If anyone's interested in those things, definitely. All right, beautiful. All right, well, thank you, Kate, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you later in the week. Yeah, wicked. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.